Yeah, I had, a, I had an interesting day. Uh, Rox, I hope you had a great day too. Yep, thank you. Let me get myself organized. I just sent my daughter to a birthday party for my nieces. How old is your daughter? She just turned one years old uh, a week ago. So you let her drive herself? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> My brother-in-law and my sister-in-law live a street away, so they go around and they're having like a big birthday party for my uh, my youngest niece, who's two, uh, two, three. Oh man, uh, I hope they don't hear me make mistakes, but let's say three years old, and uh, they're having a big party. So it's my my daughter's first time to go out and like experience all that, and she's starting daycare tomorrow before we go back <laughs> to work, and uh, so but she likes people, so it's all good. Nice. Well, so this is this is very cool. I was I was looking at all your books and your website and everything, and I, I honestly was I, I felt a little bit overwhelmed. I was like, these they got they got some good stuff here. The Enigma Rising, the Enigma Factor. You you have a bunch of books in this series, but before we get into your books and your website, you both work in the technology industry, and that's the simplest way I could describe it because there's so much going on, and you both have quite a bit of years of experience. So you package that together to put together a bunch of stories and books. It's incredible coming from fields like that and saying we're gonna we're gonna work together. We're gonna put our, our experience, our knowledge together, and make books. So, Rox, how about we start with you? Uh, when did your love for technology start? Boy, that started probably um, in the early two thousands or late nineties. You know, technology is just something that. Uh, looked like a place it was going to grow and change and evolve. And, you know, it, it was, it is, it's crazy. It changes every day. It really does. It's where I fell in love with it. And I ended up um, actually landing a really good job in a uh, telecommunications manufacturer and um, got to learn things from the ground up as, as new technologies became available. And that was very exciting. Having all those years coming from there to now, the technology has changed so much on a, just for education purpose of me myself being a teacher, like the education, the, the technology is coming into the classroom so fast. It's like, okay, what's, what's change your practices and, and what are we doing today? And how are we uh, addressing like cybersecurity and safety on the internet? And one of those ever changing things. So also uh, Charles yourself in technology for 25 plus years. Right. Talk about your experience getting into the technology. Uh, well, to kind of follow on to your comment, um, it's a reinvention all the time. I mean, the technology, I've got engineering degrees on technologies you've never heard of. It, it uh, they, they become obsolete. They become, you know, um, irrelevant. Uh, so what you don't want to do is say, I'm going to do this forever. Um, that's a fool's errand. I'll just warn you up front. Um, yeah. So if you're an educator and if you can get that message across, um, the one thing that every technology company always wants to know is, can you be retrained? Can you learn? Uh, because we're going to morph. You, We won't look the same way next year that we do this year. And I, I see that all the time. So it's always been um, reinvent, reinvent, look at the stuff. And, of course, that's where the, uh, the information for our stories comes in place. Like, okay, here's something new. It's like, oh, wow, did anybody think about this? This gives us some uh, some interesting target vectors to be able to exploit, uh, because here's the new stuff coming down the pike. 
and it's fun to be able to well that's not really fun i mean I, you know, we distort it so that it you know it becomes a an interesting story because that's who we are we're storytellers storytellers technology and storytellers yeah how, how do you find the time and first of all how did you get together to work like how did you know this was going to work together because i i've interviewed a couple of uh, co-authors and they and they said they they're mutual friends going through school and it's just one of the things that they start talking about and it's like, hey, you're interested in this and see, let's see where we can go. So um, maybe one of you can touch upon that a little bit. How we got started in this is because we were working in a technology company at the same time. We were considered um, what they call subject matter experts at the mm-hmm. time. Because we were doing that, we, um, we were targeted to do some workshops together. And in doing workshops together, we found that we could we could work together reasonably well and um, then we started writing technical manuals. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched paint dry. <laughs> technical manuals is like below watching paint dry. It's, it's very dull. Yeah. But it's important and it's, it's necessary. Unfortunately, the day after you publish it, it's probably outdated nowadays. At the time, it might last a year or so. But, but nowadays, it's, it changes way too fast. So, you know, what we decided was, you know, we can write these technical documents and we did we wrote several white papers and technical documents and technical books and did very well at it. and then um you know but it wasn't something where we could uh, make money at per se or have some fun with which was probably the more important element at least from my perspective so you know charles didn't want to write together anymore and he got off and doing other things and then i kind of I don't know, messed around a little bit and came up with the beginning of the Enigma Factor. And I sent it over to him and I said, you know, you might like this. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we can kill people and not go to jail here. That's a good way to go about it. Yeah, she she had me at kill people. So there it is. I'm I'm just saying. Having having found that uh, chemistry going to workshops and working together, how was it in terms of developing stories in the writing process because now I know a lot of people and myself included with I'm doing grad studies at night we collaborate through Google Docs and you can have as many as people as you want collaborating on a document so it's it's seamless Uh, back to your beginning in your career till now like how did that process develop over time and how did you find the time to do it well if you let me take that uh, that question um we uh we actually have a, a patent pending technology called literary ping pong that we use um, that where uh, we uh, um, one of us will do a chapter and bat it over to the other one and then we'll polish it bat it back and so um, the chapters evolve and the, the the ambition is always to make it sound like there's just one voice when you're reading it so it doesn't like like oh this is Charles or oh, that was Roxanne and even the editor will come to me sometimes and say. Who wrote this chapter? I said yes. So that's um, a it's a polishing effort we've we've done for um, for several years, and it basically helps build that um, on that knowledge. You know, that that's always in the backdrop, but the storytelling is always the uh, the key piece. Um, and every once in a while, I'll wake up and I'll come up with something, and I'll call her and I'll say. I'm going to use the four most terrifying words in my vocabulary. I have an idea. <laughs> and she'll shudder. You go, okay, go ahead and tell me. I can take it now. I'm strapped into my chair. So we tell stories 
with between ourselves and we polish it the characters get polished the the story line gets polished and it's always the backdrop of um, here's the technical threat that we want to exploit and we want to have the characters exercised trying to solve that problem that's the fun part to be honest with you mike we keep track of things in a spreadsheet we keep track of characters in a spreadsheet and always have um, because this is a series and it's a very long series uh, we we really have evolved the characters because some of them appear in more than one story mm-hmm. We're tracked in into a spreadsheet and we get together you know a couple of times a week and review where the storyline's going who's going to do which chapter how we want it to to move we have an idea always about where we want the story to go like you mentioned the enigma factor so the underlying threat of the enigma factor is identity theft which hardly anybody worries about these days and so um it it was something that we kind of built chapter by chapter i'm going back to my first bachelor's degree at Concordia University, and we got exposed to our their Moodle, which was like uh, login, chat. Uh, I, I it was my first technology class. I didn't like it. It was wasn't very seamless. Going fast forward now, you can just like like you said, you have a, a technology to use. You just plop over a chapter right there, and it's that's awesome. And what I I noticed when I was perusing your website was that. When you click on, if you go to check out the Enigma Factor book one, you actually have samples of the chapters. There's at least 17 pages, which most people, they know they buy their books from Indigo and chapters and Amazon. Maybe you get like a couple of pages, but I was actually able to go read your first chapter and the prologue and everything like that. And I have to tell you, it's not many pages that I read, but it seems like it's the beginning of something that we could turn into a movie if if I could throw that out there. God, I love I love hearing that. That just yeah, yeah. Dude, you're you're on board with us, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm serious. I, I read I, I read as often as possible. I I have a bad habit of putting books everywhere and read five minutes whenever I can find five minutes, I'll read five minutes from this book and it's I'm kind of all over the place, like a psychology book or a fiction book. And then they have their places, a book in the car, book in the kitchen, book in the office, you know, stuff like that. So just, just reading rather quickly from what I, from what I see, it's it's the, the writing is very seamless. Like I, you know, obviously don't know your writing from your writing, but I've already got a sense of like, I don't know, you get a visual when you're reading it. So uh, for me, right away, I, I'm like, if I get a visual reading something, I, I could see it as a movie right away. So that's um, the first thing that stood out to me. So I, I think that's very impressive, to be honest. And on top of that, so uh, so we'll go Enigma, Enigma Factor, book one. The plan was always to write more than one book. Oh, yeah. I got fussed at when I said, oh, so we're going to do a trilogy. And uh, I got my ears boxed for, for being um, a bit too short-sighted. Roxanne said, no, no, no. How much stuff comes down the pike that we could exploit, look at, examine, have fun with? And I went, um, oh, boy, that's a that's a great question because we, we haven't seen a let up in it. I mean, the AI wars was the last one that we were, we were looking at and uh, uh, deep fakes, we explored some of that. So um, there is no shortage of material coming down the pike that we can take and have our cyber good guys challenge the cyber bad guys. Which one was your favorite book so far? 
It's like saying, which one's your favorite child? <laughs> How many children do you have, Mike? I mean. Well, I got one right now, so she's my favorite. So that's, your, <laughs> yeah. that's your favorite child. That's right. So every book has some endearing qualities to it. You know, each one has a theme. Some of the themes are, are, you know, more top of mind today than they were when they were originally crafted. So the Enigma Factor, we recently did a second edition on it. So it's actually been, you know, kind of a, a few more modernization things in it than were originally done. And, and honestly, you know, when we started that book till now, we, we write better now than we did. So we wanted to kind of, you know, polish it up a bit. But as Charles was saying, the AI wars and then um, the Enigma threat, it is so invasive to a degree, technology today, that we wanted to highlight um, that people should be cautious. We want to give up everything for technology. It's supposed to be a helpmate, not a master. I think that's what we're going through right now. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Especially here in, in Canada, we're having... Not to get into the politics too much of it, but we have our government that's currently trying to secretly pass digital identification through the airport system, and that and people are just kind of like, it's okay, it's not important, and let's let them have more data tracking of us because they they tracked us during the pandemic without our permission. So there's a lot of that going around these days, and uh, but it's so it's um, I think if people pay attention, that that could resonate with them, right? So on top of that, uh, you also have a, a variety of editions. You have audiobooks, you have ebooks, and then you have short stories. You have book trailers. The the books, which came first, the uh, Enigma Factor, or did you start like dabbling in short stories before you got into the actual book? No, Enigma Factor actually came first. Said that the short stories came about. Charles, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's because some of the reviewers um, commented on characters. Yeah. So what happened to them before they got into this story or how did they end up this way? And so it, it kind of, I don't know, opened the door. Yeah, we, we get we get we get some uh, um, what we started to see was that the backstories that are not included in the main story became great um, fodder for being able to build short stories. Oh, we, we don't want to spend, you know, the, the book cycles um, for covering off on this couple that was um, that had their own personal problems, but they, they emerged uh, towards the, uh, the end of the series. Um, and, you know, we started looking at uh, things like the, where, where it started, uh, the genesis of it was, um, we had somebody say, I want more. Tell me where this R group came from. What is their, what brought them together to be able to say, I want to fight crime, digital crime. Mm. And it was a, um, sort of an aha moment like you know we could do something like that and that's where we came up with the um, um prequel that we it was called out of poland which is where the cyber good guys are you know, banded together to be able to you know, fight the uh, uh the german invasion there in, uh, in poland in 1939 mm. charles you have a love for i wanted to say if i'm not mistaken world war history correct world war ii history um i'm, I'm fascinated on it whatever theater i mean i'd like i can't get enough of it um i can i can bore you to tears with uh, details that uh, that you've never you never would have thought of but they have become um they're just part of my psyche I, they're always in the background always circulating around because you know this is today's weapon of choice technology and this is where the combat 
uh, lines are being drawn. It's uh, significantly different than World War II in terms of technology, right? Not really. No, I mean, no. The, the same issues are, are in World War II and any battle are always, always the same. I need to be able to move my chess pieces, battle uh, battle groups into uh, combat, and I need to tell them how to be able to do that. And there's always somebody listening. So that's where the Enigma machine came into being. Oh, the Germans said we'll encrypt it, and we won't. Now that way, you won't know what we're doing. Um, that was a rather naive um, attitude, um, and uh, I'll explain it to you some other time. But uh, um, it's still the same today. We want to move people. We want to do stuff without our, our enemies knowing. And so it's always about um, cloaking the intent and making sure that um, I can get what I need ahead of you. I, I could see I could see how that ties in. That probably ties in very well with your series because you're, you're bringing in all these different passions and trying to orchestrate a good story. Yeah. Rox, you may not have the same interest. Like World War II history is not your thing. Or is it? I appreciate and like World War II history because of, I don't know, the courage of the people, the stamina of, of humans to overcome things. There are stories that are of the, you know, the actual, I don't know, the, the peasants, the citizens, all of these people that are just trying to preserve their families, their lives. And, and as, you know, Charles brought up the Out of Poland, which is the prequel. All right, so German Germany was invading Poland in 1939. Today, we have, you know, Russia invading Ukraine, and Poland is helping. People were moved out of their homes. They, things were taken away from them. Things were, you know, bombed and stolen. And, and all. that's no different than it is today. So the human survival and the ability for people to rise above that and decide how they want to preserve their lives and how much they'll fight for it. Yeah, I, I like that part of the history. Now, I'm not necessarily up on all of the machinery and, you know, what caliber of weapons were used at which particular battles, but the human, the human sacrifice in wars is always tremendous. And it's because they believe. Now I'm trying to bridge into going into my next question. We're going from war to uh, your your love for reading. Because I, I, I peruse, I go through everyone's accounts and I see you're both on LinkedIn. Um, so there's a fast, there's a, uh, a love for reading. There's a love for literature there. And you both, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, were member of the, uh, on the board of directors for uh, Deer in Texas or Deer, Texas, correct? Right. Right, so uh, maybe you could tell us, one of you can tell us a little bit about that. Dear Texas is an organization that was put together several years ago to help bridge the gap for um, uh, children to be able, and adults to be able to read better. And so there were a lot of different programs that were put on uh, and put together by the founder of Dear Texas, Alan, Alan Bourgeois, um, and, and that was to help get books into kids' hands or into adults' hands and, and help um, contribute to different uh, programs for uh, literacy. I mean, it's, we all have power if we can read. People that can't read, you know, they, they probably don't get a chance to excel in school like some of us do or 
even understand what's what's in the newspapers. So that's that's part of what we did for that program. And um, Charles did an awful lot from the perspective of um, bringing different um, ideas to bear in that program. Yeah, the ambition was to be able to help uh, further um, reading, um, literacy, uh, just, um, you know, one more child you know, who could read above their grade level. Uh, you know, one more library that would say, um, we want to put your books on our shelves. Those are the kinds of um, activities we thought. Um, it was a nonprofit organization, so it was like, yeah, we'll help. That's just that's just the kind of people we are. I love it. I love it. Being a teacher and, and growing up, I love books. I, I, my I, my mother always had a book in my hand, always read to me. Our our daughter now it's the same thing. Our, she's got books more books than toys. And I tell people, if you need to buy us anything, we'll buy us clothes and buy us books because that's all she really needs. I mean, she's got her toys in the corner, but I, I, I love that. And I think, I think literature and novels and short stories, I think maybe with the technology, we've kind of gotten away from the basics and just, just get a book in a child's hand, especially at home. Like, and I know it's with the economy and everything, some people are, are struggling. And the parents sometimes don't have the money and there's the scholastic programs that we still use every so often if, if they can afford to buy. But um, I think that's fantastic, honestly. Uh, I saw that. I was like, oh, there's so much layers. There's so much depth to both of you. And the fact that it, it's all there, I don't I don't think I could collectively put it together well enough for you in a short, ep- a short podcast episode. But it begs the question in Canada, you know, you have quite a few libraries. We have quite a few libraries here, and libraries have been free, at least here in the United States. I don't see parents introducing their children to libraries and reading centers as much as they should. So people that are struggling from an income perspective, there is nothing more rewarding than taking a child to the library and showing them the right areas or getting them there on Saturday morning for that reading circle and it doesn't cost anything. That's the truth. And my mother used to bring my sister and I to the library. We used to take the bus for 20 minutes, go to the library and spend an hour, two hours there. And we would sometimes sit and listen to the librarian t- tell uh, stories with other children. Uh, we used to, When I was younger, we used to go to church. So then we'd, on Sundays, we sometimes had... Um, like the church basement would be open and they'd do similar stories. They would do the same thing, sit down, listen to the animator talk or read stories. And actually one of my students this year, and I, I teach um, self-contained classrooms for children with autism. One of my parents had said, we go to the library, this is earlier in the year, we go to the library frequently every week. And I, I'm like, I could see it because his reading skills is, uh, is are developing. And ironically, he has uh, his communication skills are not excellent, but has a love for technology. So he'd be the one taking apart computers in my classroom and I'd set him up a bunch of stuff and technology and books. That's what he loved. So it's kind of, it's kind of ironic, but uh, you're right. You're right. There's a lot of parents that don't uh, necessarily take advantage of like the libraries and the free resources that they have. Unfortunately, with cutbacks would say for our, in um, maybe our province and not necessarily all of Canada, because I can't speak for all of Canada. There's been a lot of cutbacks. So libraries have been shrinking. And maybe you get less support in terms of like a actual librarian or uh, somebody who can actually run the, run the actual library. But that's where we are. I mean, 
Uh, there were some talks earlier on about ebooks, uh, maybe some kind of like ebook vending or, you know, we, we have we have resources like uh, tumble books and things like that that we could show the kids online. But it's I don't know, it's not the same as a hard copy. I don't, I'm always big on the hard copies. We, we noticed an, a real appetite for audiobooks early on um, in our in our series. That's another one of those uh, events where Roxanne says, I have an idea. And so I cringed, uh, you know, because uh, it works both ways. And she said, let's do some audibles. I like, you know, because there's some people and we talk to them all the time when we're on shows or we're talking to people that uh, she was at uh, in Denver this week at, at Barnes and Noble doing book signings. And um, they said, we'll call her somebody. Oh, Would you like to read? Oh, I don't have time to read. I can't read. I, I'm too busy. I said, do you like to listen? They go, oh, yeah. If you got an audible, and so it, it's the, the some of the dynamics of their lifestyle is such that um, they can't read, but they're trapped in a car for an hour commute every morning, and an hour back, and they love being able to be uh, to listen to something that's uh, put together by a voice actor. I'll make the distinction uh, that uh, we use a voice actor. You know, it isn't us. Uh, you know, um, you know, romping through the uh, the book because it makes a big difference in the package and the the enjoyment factor for it so yeah um that's uh that's sort of a a new an adjunct medium i would uh, i would uh, recommend for authors like okay um when done, not just fiction but also for uh non-fiction um you know self-help books so the, there's a, a wealth of uh, material that um could be consumed if it was available and audible yeah, I, I'm, I like I like that you touched upon that because it's also it's more accessible. It's like podcasting. Podcasting is more accessible, and it's it may be a particular niche, but for certain pockets of people, it might work better for them. I like books everywhere. I'll put them everywhere. Audiobooks, podcasts. I listen to podcasts when I'm shaving in the bathroom. I'll take my hour. I'll do what I have to do. I'll listen to a podcast. I rarely listen to podcasts in the car. I've dabbled in audiobooks. I've dabbled in reading ebooks. My wife likes listening to um, self help books and, and self help podcasts and things like that. And you know, I, we have friends and we're all over the place with different things. But you're, but you're right. It actually, it's an um, interesting way to consume a novel. And you said you use voice actors. But how did you how did you go from point A to now? coming up with like the website style is there anybody working with you in the background or you who put together the website first of all the website as it sits right now is put together by by one of the folks that we have partnering with us um nathan Rommel, um who's done a great job with it we, you know we both work full-time so we have full-time jobs um you know when we write we tend to write early in the morning before we start work after our work hours close depending on you know, what, what's what from a chores perspective and family perspective. But Nathan has done a really good job with keeping the website um, modern. And uh, Charles maintains the blogging posts that are on there and certainly the scheduling calendars. And we both contribute content. But the format we recently redid, that's, that's been the help of Nathan. Yeah. So, Mike, it, it, it's important to be able to just admit right up front, uh, we started most of the things that uh, we wanted, you know, okay, we need a website. Okay, let's go build one. All right. So a lot of things are, you know, 
okay, how do you do this? How do you do it? And then what you get into, like, I don't have time to make it as it should. So we started looking for and partnering with people to be able to do the Audible books. So we have we started partnering with uh, with Nathan to be able to do um, the website. Um, um, it's, uh, yes, we know how to do it, um, but unless you have enough time to be able to do it, it doesn't look like it's, it's professional enough, and that's um, that's. I agree. You know, we have to have uh, prof- you know the pros do the things that we say. This is the way I want it to look. I don't have time to be able to do that. So, um, Roxanne built a lot of the content, a lot of the graphics, a lot of the uh, you know the you know here's the snippets. Um, when we go into the trailers, I'll build the storyboards and say this is what I want built from a from a, uh, a two minute trailer. Um, doesn't matter that you know um, you know. Uh, front rows production takes a look at it says thank you Charles and they throw it away and say we'll build it ourselves uh, but thank you for the input I mean you know it's uh, but so um, it's good to have that kind of team uh, the graphic uh, interiors on the uh, on the books those are you know that takes time to be able to get that uh, to look the polished um, um, value that we want or so when a customer or a reader picks up our book like ah this is satisfying look at this neat stuff on the inside the little uh, you know you know even just coming up with a chapter titles is a, a smith a wordsmithing effort so that it's not just a numeral it's a something that gives you a, a taste or a hint of what you're going to get in that chapter but it takes a team it takes a team and there's not enough time in the day to do anything you can't do all of it yourself. Um, if you if you think so, um, um, you're you're on a fool's errand. I'm sorry. There it is. Everybody has strengths. You know, we write we write good stories and we have fun writing the stories. Um, you know, we do learn about all of the other elements, but we don't have time to do them all and do them well. So we're smart enough to know what we do well and smart enough to know what we can help. Get a team to help us. Great, I love it. I, it's it's just making me think about my own personal projects and everything. I'm like, I need to. I've I was talking to a couple of friends. I'm like, well, what do you say about this? I'm like, because I don't have time to edit. So do you want to come on board? And it it definitely takes a team. Yeah. The other, the other thing I was interested in knowing is that you said you've been to book signing. <laughs> what's the, what's that experience like? Having your books displayed. Uh, and meeting people and signing your own books. I think it's the best part. <laughs> I do because you have readers that maybe they come back to you and say, you know, they like you. I remember a gentleman that rushed up to Charles at a Comic-Con, is the new book out yet? Um, which was very gratifying. Um, it's just fun. Plus you get to just chat with people. And, and find out what they like. What do you like about your reading? What do you not like about your reading? What would you like to see? This is great ideas. Yeah, sometimes it just feels reconnaissance, Michael. Uh, this, okay, um, you know, and Roxanne's favorite uh, uh, tagline is, you like to read. I got the books here. We like to write. So, and, we, and that's where the conversation starts. And they come over and they go, so what's the series about? And you learn the elevator pitch. You got... 15 to 20 to 60 seconds to be able to pitch. And it's, it's good therapy for an author to be able to say what their book's about. And it's, if you, and we've talked to a lot of marketing people, a lot of book publishers, a lot of independent uh, folks, and they all say the same thing. 
nobody wants to talk to anybody except the author. So if you're not willing to talk about your book, you're not going to sell your book. Your marketing people can't do it. The uh, um, the publisher can't do it. You've got to go do it. So, you know, get over it. Um, but that's actually the fun part. It's like, okay, um, uh, Roxanne helped me polish my, my selling skills. I, I used to start off with, you wouldn't want to buy my book, would you? I, I, didn't, I didn't think so. So, um, and so, uh, so she's got me to the point where I was like, okay, what do you like to read? And so we've gotten that, that extra finesse about um, talking to people and having that, um, and it's a personal experience for them. And a lot of times they're like, so which book do you want? Or which book would you recommend? And I, it's like, well, um, and we, we kind of fish around for the things that the ideas that you know, each one of the book has, and so there's a flavoring that we're looking for. And then uh, Roxanne's better at it than I am. I'll, I'll just be, be blunt about it. And she's, okay, based on what you said, I think you'll like this book. This is the one about genome engineering um, by in the hands of a madman. Uh, uh, and um, uh, he's, he'll stop at nothing. So, uh, or, you know, I'll hear something that just gets my interest, and they, and they say, you'll like this one because it's about cryptocurrency. And, uh, you know the uh, the dominance in the uh, in, in the, um, the cryptocurrency arena. So, you know those are the kind of things you look for, and that makes for a very interesting experience for the customer. Because, like, I want something that's going to jazz, and we write these books so that they can be enjoyed by themselves. It's not fair to say you know you have to buy the whole set if you're going to enjoy it. Now, yeah, they are richer if you read them in order. Um, they're built so that you can, you don't have to do that. You can take one. If all we get you for is one book and you, we want you to make sure that you enjoy it. So you're not saying, I got to go back and get the other four or the five or the other 10. You know, that's, that's not, that's not fair. So we try not to do that. The other thing is when we do festivals like the book event that I did yesterday in Denver is it was with a group and there were multiple genres that were available. So you know, we make it a point um, when we do those kinds of events, because for authors, we also like to read, just like you do, Michael. Um, and we like to read lots of different things. And so we learn about what each of the other authors that are at the event do or at the book festival or any other venue that we've been to. And if they don't want our book, that's fine. We'll help another author meet their request. You know, not everybody's going to buy our books. We'd love them to out but we also want to make sure that people enjoy what they're reading next agreed yeah have there been any uh, authors you've met at conventions or via email that you've stayed in contact with that you constantly bounce ideas off of in terms of like you know publishing or just presenting or things like that oh yeah there's been a lot i mean we do workshops with authors for authors we attend different webinars um, and for, for learning ourselves and or contributing commentary in, in a collaborative manner. So absolutely, we have a whole a whole list of, of authors. I actually do. I host a an author get together, non selling, just networking chit chat, usually in September or early October, outdoors, snacking, and listening to what they have going on or what they're what they're frustrated about. Just networking. Yeah, and don't, awesome. yeah, don't forget the, uh, the your favorite adult beverage to go along with that. So, 
whatever whatever that may be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and it, uh, it, just last month, uh, we, uh, Roxanne sponsored a. Uh, we had uh, some uh, other authors like. I am struggling with the AMS ads. Will you show us what you do on how to be able to groom that? And and so it was just like, yeah, uh, show up here, bring your PCs, and we'll uh, we'll go through it, and we'll show you what we've learned over the years. And it was, uh, it was sometimes it, it, it's the look on their face like, wow, um, I didn't know what I didn't know. So it was a, a it was kind of a fun fun exercise to be able to uh, help uh, with the uh, Contribute to other authors' success. That's that's very. That's why we were in the Deer, Texas. Same thing. That's why we were there. That's the, the kind of people we are. We both make very good teachers. We try. We do try. During the during the pandemic, I mean, everybody was locked down. There was everywhere was a little bit different. What was your? Um, well, if you didn't actually been able to go meet and greet, what did you do during the pandemic for your writing purposes or your advertisements or trying to do webinars? What 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 was it like during the pandemic? So a lot of what we're, I mean, in my world, I'm a unified communication specialist. I've done that for, well, since the first part of the century. So um, video, audio, um, uh, in my, uh, for my, my command center here at the, at the house, um, this is all, you know, business as usual. You know, this is all the kind of stuff that uh, I'm used to doing. And so a lot of times we spent time trying to teach other people, this is how you'd be able to adapt. Here's the, uh, okay, look for the button down here on the lower left-hand corner to be able to turn the microphone on. Okay, all right, now that, that's, okay, how about the video, video camera? Okay, you have, it, you, have it stare, you have it focused at your feet, That that's good. Can you move it up so we can see your face? So we spent a lot of time, um, it, it, it's all second nature to us. Unified communications, the, the video stuff. I mean, you know, Roxanne is uh, in a different city today. Um, uh, she was a different city yesterday. So, you know, we get, we get caught up using the technology that uh, we use in a regular work workday. So it's uh, it's second nature for us, and it's it was helpful for us to be able to steer some of the other folks, saying, "Here's how you make that jump." So the other thing during the pandemic, um, you know, there was a lot of virtual book fairs. That would happen over different webinars and videos. And we participated in several of those. Um, social media to a degree became more of a, a broader market place in some ways. Um, and it, it also required that we have a bit of precision in, in some of those focused campaigns for marketing, whatever the social media platform, um, would be. But, the problem I had with it from a from an author perspective is those book festivals. I really enjoy chit chatting with readers that I don't know. I can I can certainly have a webinar and attend a webinar and probably know most of the people that are on there, but meeting new readers is is a real thrill, and I missed that during the pandemic. Going forward, social media, everything you can think of, your emails, your books. So first, your website is enigmabookseries.com. And is your book available, or your book, sorry, your books and your stories, not only are they available on your website, are they available anywhere else to be purchased? Yes. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, every, pretty much most of the distributors um, have have the books available too. The only exception would be Amazon is the only one that carries the e-books. Um, Amazon does the e-books. Important note for everybody. 
you're on LinkedIn, or you're both on LinkedIn. You're both on Twitter. You're both, uh, you have Facebook, the Enigma series on Facebook. You have a YouTube channel. And on, what's on your YouTube channel? Yeah, go, go ahead. Boy, you made her good guy list, Michael. Thank you. <laughs> I looked at it before we started, but I, I wanted for you to talk about it. Go ahead. So we recently divided the, the YouTube channel up for the series and kind of broke it up by book. So we have like audio segment samples in there. We have uh, reading events where, you know, we actually read chapters um, to different groups and went ahead and taped them. Of course, the book trailers are all out there. Um, and they're a lot of fun and exciting and interviews that we have done. Uh, we were fortunate enough to be on a couple of television shows and we post those. Um, we've had a couple of podcast opportunities, not as much fun as this one. Oh, but, but if we can post them onto YouTube, like if we get a copy of them, we do that and, and credit it with, with whoever provided that. Um, it's just kind of a well-rounded thing and we look forward to more people subscribing to it and commenting. Yeah. And some of the things that we put out there were experiments, um, like the, uh, uh, the, uh, the characters reading the, uh, uh, you know, telling about the series, you know, Petra and Jacob uh, talking about, you know, uh, and that's the, uh, you know, we got a couple of, uh, you know, really nice uh, voices to be able to do that for us. <clears throat> um, and, uh, um, it, it, it turned into a fun exercise. And then, uh, we, we did that. And then our, 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 uh, the guys that, uh, the, uh, front rows production that said, um, hey, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put some, uh, some visuals to it. So we had the voiceover. And then, um, you know, he said, uh, let me, let me build something for you to go along that, that line. So, uh, we had a, had a, a good exercise along that. And then we even experimented, uh, with, uh, doing one in, in, uh, in German. Um, uh, where we, uh, we, we pretended to be, um, some of the, the, uh, the Polish, uh, nationalists that, that had still stolen the, uh, the Enigma machine and were, had finally deciphered it. And so we translated everything and, and uh, uh, I got to play, uh, Wolfgang on that one. And so, uh, we had a, we had a lot, it was just a fun exercise of, uh, you know, yeah, are we a little, uh, on, uh, as my father in law used to say, we're about half above the loft. Um, is, is uh, in some of our, our thinking, but uh, that's the fun part. That's amazing. There's so much, there's so much content that you have available for everybody to to access, to discover your books, to to immerse themselves in. And again, I'll go back to saying that I'm 100 confident that this could be a a movie, a trilogy, a series. Uh, for whatever reason, I'm thinking um, the the complexity and the details. I'm thinking Lord of the Rings type books, but you know maybe maybe the CGI would be a little bit expensive, but uh, <laughs> it would be interesting. So not only are you on Facebook and YouTube, you're on Pinterest, you're on Instagram, you're also on Medium, Medium.com yep. uh, at the Enigma series, and the last one, if I'm pronouncing it right, uh, Bublish. Bublish is kind of a marketing tool that authors can use. Bublish.com. We got hooked up into that when um, it began, pretty close to when it, it began operation. It's an area where authors can go and write books. They can actually publish there if they wish to. That's not what we chose to do with it. Use it as a marketing tool. So we post samples of chapters in there and then kind of do, why did we write that chapter? Or what are these characters doing? And we, we go through and do new segments on that every week it's 
It's a Monday morning activity. And the neat thing about it is that you can take that uh, the stuff that's built there. Roxanne does a fantastic job of, of uh, getting a snippet out of a book and saying, "Here's the here's the here's the backdrop for you know the consideration, and then here's what uh, we were thinking, and then I'll take that and turn it into an RSS feed, then export it to any any place else, uh, like um, Author Central on uh, on Amazon." Um, and so you get the double duty for, you know, and we're, we're big fans of, uh, you know, um, build once and uh, use, deploy it many places. So that's amazing. It's great. And in terms of reviews, how important are reviews, legitimate purchased reviews for, for any book that you publish? Reviews are the most important things for authors, especially small press authors. Um, you want people to give a fair and honest review. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be involved. Um, it's very helpful if it's put into more than one location. I, um, I actually read books. Charles does too. And we post reviews out on, you know, several different platforms to get the visibility. Um, it, it, it just, it is very important for all authors. Um, it, a lot of people will buy a book because of the number of reviews. Um, and so, yes, we we really would like to have a review on every book that we like. We'd like them to be a fair and honest review. Yeah, the world the world changed when um, the things started going online, first part of this century. It was like, okay, can you rate this uh, refrigerator? Um, wh what do you think about this, um, you know, this faucet? Um, and it's like, okay, well, Who's, you know, what kind of ratings have they got? Uh, is it, uh, did somebody crab about the, this was a poor experience? And so, uh, honestly, I mean, a good review, uh, helps steer all uh, people behind that person say, I like this and I like it for these reasons. And it doesn't have to be long, to Roxanne's point, but it, it basically is a vote of confidence that somebody else will enjoy and have a good experience from that product. So yeah, that's that's exactly why they're uh, they're gold. I always I always read reviews people leave, as opposed to uh, reviews left by. You see people's books. Oh, uh, number ten on the top list of times or a uh, New York bestseller and uh, Rolling Stones magazine says amazing book or amazing comments from real people. For me, is what what's important. Whether it's technology, a book. A refrigerator. <laughs> Actually, I had to clean my refrigerator today because it was making noise. But, and I tell people the same thing. Like as as I'm going through the process of developing my podcast, I tell them the same thing: review, download, subscribe, share. Uh, you know, it, it always it always helps out. In terms of that, am I missing anything in terms of the social media or the locations for your books or anything else you would like to plug in? That's important. Well, if they, if they hit the website, we usually put some free stuff out there. Um, and it's not just, you know, um, you know, self-serving. It's stuff like, uh, um, passwords, how to be able to build uh, good passwords or, or, uh, here's some, uh, some writing tips for, um, uh, for, for young authors that are like, or new authors are like, okay, how are these guys doing it? Well, what would you advise? They're giving back to the community. Uh, so that's, um, there's free stuff there that, that's um, we change up periodically. You know, a short story that uh, is too short to publish, but it's a, it's such a fun exercise. That's like, um, you know, here, uh, please enjoy. Um, we think you'll like this. Great. 
And if I had to start, aside from book one, which book would you suggest that I start with? Oh, wow. You're a teacher. You might actually enjoy The Enigma Stolen because The Enigma Stolen has this marvelous mathematical genius that wants to think out of the box. And in some ways, Michael, because you're focused on, on, um, you know, special ed, you might really enjoy that. Well, and then not forget, uh, you know, book 12, which is the Enigma Threat, where we actually have the, uh, the next generation of, of, uh, the R group brought in, um, to help fight the, uh, uh, the evil, um, characters. And it's a, they're, they're learning. They're, 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 they're still a little, um, naive. They're still, but they're also geniuses in their own field. So they haven't matured to the degree that the, you know, somebody of, uh, you know, uh, our experience would have gotten. Um, so it, it's a fun, fun exercise watching young minds soak up stuff that like, huh, how, how, how did you, how did they, how did they get that? How, how'd they get that far? How, how, or, you know, and how come they got, they missed this detail. I mean, those are the kind of things that uh, we we exercise in book 12 as well. So um, I think you'll enjoy the series, to be honest. Uh, that's a good plug right there. I like it. I'll probably start with the first book. I'm definitely going to pick up a copy. So I would have loved to have pre-read the book before talking to both of you. I don't have that kind of time yet. But um, <laughs> yeah, if, I, if it was my full-time job, 100%. But and, and I extend an olive branch to everybody. Uh, if there's anything you'd like to share, tag me in uh, on Twitter. Instagram right now is kind of on hold for me because until I start uh, releasing episodes, I'm going to tag people in. But for Twitter, if there's like, uh, if, if you're going to um, book conventions or Comic Cons, or if you have a new release or you want to share something like YouTube, you can always tag me in and I will share it with everybody. Thank you. In terms of that, I mean, we talked a lot about technology and, and, and your books and, but we didn't really talk about where you have other time. Like, cause you write, you work, you're busy. Where, what other free time do you have that you get to, let's say, you know, travel or play sports or do something else that you enjoy? Regimented on scheduling. So everything has a schedule. So if there's an activity that has to be done, it, it just falls into the schedule. So that we have time to do that. So we're probably a little more rigid about that than most people. Yeah, but we're planning to do a uh, Authors at Sea next year, January, February. Uh, uh, Rox and I teach courses on there. That's a great place for people to uh, you know get away, have fun. And also then during the day while we're at sea, we do the uh, the training classes that the, that the, they get teed up. It's usually, usually like a, like a four or five days worth of uh, training and uh, just mind share. You know, we do do the Vulcan mind thing between uh, the different, uh, uh, different uh, authors. And this past year, we, uh, we covered off on some, uh, some very interesting topics about the metaverse and uh, um, uh, net fungible tokens and uh, cryptocurrency and where that was might fit into their future. And um, um, it was a, um, a good exercise. And I would recommend it for anybody that's like, Hey, I want to learn. I want to have a little bit of fun. Um, I can do both, and and with the with the crews like that. 
So, so Michael, if anyone who is an, an author wannabe or an established author that wants to, you know, network with some different people and get some real expertise, uh, Dr. Judith Bryles does, in fact, host a, an annual publishing at sea venue um, to be able to do that. And I know that there are a couple of openings that are still available. If someone would like to do that, they can they can certainly email me. And I'll, I'll put them in touch with it and they can, they can do their own connections. Um, you know, there is always something new to learn and she's very good at ferreting out an, an agenda, um, uh, and a curriculum for that that will help everybody. We always learn something. So uh, uh, do we give our email address out, uh, Roxanne or Michael? Have you got that? You have it? Okay. All right. I have it. If anybody, uh, Ends up listening to the episode that's interested, and they reach out to me. I'll I'd be happy happy to share it with everybody. Okay. If you don't want it to share publicly, I won't share it publicly. Oh no, share it with everybody. Happen. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, which email address would you like me to share? We can say it right now. Authors at enigmaseries.com is probably the easiest. And if you forget it, go to enigmaseries.com or enigmabookseries.com. Both go to the same place. And there is a contact us on there and it comes straight to us. Awesome. Thank you for sharing your uh, love for books, your writing, your series, your websites, and your time with me on Mr. Mike podcast, Wrong Answers Only. And like I tell people, today has been nothing but right answers. My wrong answers are usually just for the tweets that I do on Twitter. <laughs> it's it's been, it's been a pleasure and I'm super excited. I'm going to pick up I'm actually going to go check out my daughter, see if she's okay, if she hasn't passed out yet from uh, sleeping after her bottle. And then either uh, tonight or tomorrow, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go grab a copy of The Enigma Factor. Thank you, Michael. And we're going to follow your podcast because I think you're going to do some amazing things. Thank you, Michael. Oh, thank you. I, I'm really enjoying the, the interview part of it. I think it really uh, it's really exciting. And I've talked to some amazing people so far. So thank you both, Rox and Charles, for joining me. Yes, sir. And, um, We'll be in touch. Thank you very much. Have a great evening. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for tuning in to the Mr. Mike podcast. Wrong answers only. Don't forget, check us out on social media, Twitter and Instagram, Mr. Mike MTL and wrong answers MTL. Tune in next time for more interviews and more discussions and more episodes with Mr. D and myself. Your support is greatly appreciated. Subscribe, download, share with your friends and family. Leave a review if possible. The Mr. Mike Podcast, Wrong Answers Only, is available wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.